Hello, and welcome to the final episode of The Mandalorian Review on Riot Radio uh, for Season 3. Uh, and scomping in behind the scenes is my partner I, or R5-D4. <laughs> is that me now? Yeah, it's you. Yeah, I think it's because I've lost my way. Yep. I need to go take a bath and redeem myself. <laughs> so, it's just Evan and I in the studio today. So, Evan's teching while uh, I'm on air. But we, uh, we figured it out, so we're both going to be here, which is fantastic. And we had a lot to talk about. Oh, yeah. Tons to talk about. Tons. So, season three is over now. <laughs> and like it or not, we get the final episode. I would say not what I wanted to happen, but I'm okay with that. Because what we got was just as good. So, as Evan runs over to get his notes... Uh, it's called The Return. I don't know if that's a callback to The Return of the Jedi. I don't know if that's a callback to any kind of thing. But it could be the fact that it's the return to Mandalore. It's the Mandalorians returning to Mandalore. And it is probably the best episode of the season. Straight action. Uh, just, if you, like, if you wanted to get into The Mandalorian, just watch the fight scenes alone. The fight scenes alone are fantastic. So... Pretty much as Evan and I said last week, we really wanted it to start like that. You know, Pazmus is dead. Don't give us a flashback. Don't give us no, just straight into it. And they did. They jumped literally from scene one to scene two. Paz was still freshly dead. The Praetorian Guard melted away into the scenes. And uh, we jump into it. So Evan, what did you think of the, uh, the jump straight into the episode i thought it was perfect i thought it was fantastic i loved every second of it i gotta remember to switch to myself yep. Yep. <laughs> whenever i do this also the fact that i can hear myself is weird yeah. um but the episode is fantastic i like that they it was basically a part one part two and they basically just jumped straight into what was happening next uh so the scene opened up with axe woves flying up and bo katan being like hey Axe, what's going on? And he's just like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm flying. It's raining. Did you know it's raining? Um, and Bo-Katan is just filling him in on everything that's happening and what's going on. He's saying, okay, I'm going to go get everybody. Uh, and Bo-Katan's words were, sacrifice the light cruiser because we don't win in an air-to-air fight. Yep. Um, so Axe Wolves is like, hey, got it. Understood. I'm breaking through the atmosphere. I'm going to lose you. Um, so he keeps going up and up. And then we pretty much get straight to Din Djarin being captured from that point forward. Yeah, so we, first of all, if you're wondering why these jetpacks are so much better than the jetpacks we saw in previous episodes, the convent, the covert, we're going to call it, they are a fringe group. They're not very strong. They, their jetpacks aren't up to standard. These are Mandalorian Corsairs. They know what they're doing. So that's why Axe Wolves can just go, I'm going to space. Uh, we also have seen that Mandalorians can pressurize their helmets, so that's why he can breathe out there and talk. Um, jumping into it though, Din Djarin's captured. One thing I saw, so I was looking at some stuff last night about people giving reactions and people giving their, what they think was gonna happen and what they think, what they wanted to happen. One guy was like, you know what? Din Djarin's gonna get captured. They're gonna take his helmet off and they're gonna mind flame. What would that do to help further this, like anything? If you mind flayed Din Djarin, what's, 
what's that gonna do for you that's such a weird thing to predict i know and i agree like how does that how does that further the story it doesn't. in any way like i guess maybe the mindset is that grogu sees this happen and then he's motivated now he's going to be a mandalorian and then he speaks and he's like no this is the way i don't know yeah um but i agree i I think it's kind of dumb plus why would they bring the mind flare with them i feel like that's such an integral thing oh it's pretty big it's pretty big i feel like it's got to be its own thing so why would they bring that there plus moff gideon isn't in connection the reason why the mind flare is even there is for it's so that they can reprogram Imperials or, or like whatever. Rehabilitate. Rehabilitate them. Why would Moff Gideon have that with him? Yeah. You know, it just, that just doesn't make sense. So that, was, that was one thing. But Din Djarin gets captured. He pulls the old switcheroo. I'm actually not unconscious. I've been awake the whole time. And starts kicking butt. And he's not, again, we, as much as we've seen Din kind of grow into the fighter he is now, he's not doing the best. He's still not the greatest. Like, yeah. I feel like if... If you took Din Djarin versus like Axe Woves or Paz Vizsla or Bo-Katan or yeah. um, whoever that, what was the other girl? Walmart girl? Oh, um, every week. Every week. Right? Every week we do this. And Toys we, R Us. Toys R Us, Funko Pop, Clearance Girl. Clearance Girl. Got it. Um, either way, I think Din Djarin loses to all of those. Yeah. I mean, he only beat... Uh, he only beat uh, Paz Vizsla because he had the Darksaber. Exactly. So we see him fight, and he's he's doing okay, but he's fighting two super commandos, or super troopers, whatever we're going to call them. Um, and they're kind of, he's doing okay, but he's not having a good time. And this is kind of a weird thing, too. So he's, he's tied up with no weapons. He's fighting back. He gets, he gets grabbed. The super commando has a gun to him. He's going to blast him. And we hear, no. And Grogu comes in with his little IG droid, grabs onto the blaster and just slowly bends it and breaks it and it's pretty it's pretty great to see that so he gets bent and broken throws it away they kind of fight that's it that's the end of it he's like hey grogu untie me you know we have to end this this needs to be the end we have to kill moth gideon and i think this is the first time that recently at least that you kind of clue into the fact that these aren't these are anti-heroes like they're outlaws, Gideon's an outlaw. There is no, there's no good and bad. They're Mandalorians fighting for their, their planet and the Empire fighting to keep it. But they're not like the Republic versus the Empire. This isn't the Rebellion versus the Empire. This is a fringe faction versus the Empire. So we see this thing, he's like, yeah, we gotta find him. He has R5. No, it's probably the best, I w- I'm gonna say probably the best part of the entire episode. I think it's just super fun and it's very enjoyable. R5 scomp, which is what his little put a thing in and twist it kind of thing is a scomp. <laughs> so he scomps in and R5, little droid that could. Mm-hmm. We're talking like, that's, he's shell-shocked. He's had a lot of issues over the years, but he's trying his best. So he comes down. And we see Republic, we see, I guess, Imperial Mouse Droids, which have you ever read the Darth Vader comics? Darth Vader talks to a mouse droid and says, you're the only one who understands me. And that's pretty much why I think of mouse droids every time I see them now. So he talks, he, he comes in, he's kind of like hiding from the mouse droid. He starts activating these things and Din comes around the corner, flashing back to Din, and we see where Gideon first entered to the Shadow Council. We see all the, all the laser walls, we see the super commandos, and it's a really cool scene where he's like, okay, R5, open door one. 
It's like behind door number one is two super commandos. But the super commandos almost, they're like, they can see him coming and they're very, sh- like, they're shocked. It's kind of weird because it's like, do they actually see him coming? He's kind of like stealthing around a corner. Yeah. All the other ones see him coming after he enters that first one, but I think that it's unexpected. I figured they would have reacted. They should have reacted to, oh, this is wrong the moment the barrier went down. And I think they kind of did. Yeah. Um, so it felt okay in terms of him entering and then catching them off guard. Um, I like that there was a moment where one of the, he beats both of them yep. and when the guard falls down. And I think you asked the question while we were rewatching it yep. of why? Why is this here? Yeah, why are there big holes? Like, that's the, none of them have jetpacks. So Dan doesn't even have a jetpack, but he stole one of the jetpacks from the Super Commandos. That's why his jetpack looks white, because it's not his. But none of the, none of the Super Commandos there have jetpacks. So you're going to tell me you're going to have these guys stationed, ready to go, with these drop shoots next to them, with no jetpacks? Yeah. No jetpacks? Yeah, that was weird. Um, but I did like that as he was falling through, the reason why he only has them open one at a time is yep. he, he doesn't have any weapons with him. No. So he has to go in, beat these guys, steal whatever he's got there, and then fight the next few. Yep. Uh, and then fight the next few and keep going. But as he uh, is fighting them, he loses uh, his knife in Dang. one of the guys. And as it's falling backwards, he's trying to grab it before it falls over. I thought that was such a such a cool detail of... I needed that. <laughs> this, this entire episode, the choreography between fight scenes is absolutely gorgeous. So we see Din go through door after door after door. Uh, he, gets a, he gets a little Durasteel shield. He gets one of those electro maces. He's fighting his best. He picks up two blasters. He's really doing everything he can. He's just using the tools that he has, which this is the weird thing. He's, he did so poorly against the super commandos in the hallway, but now he's doing so well against these ones unarmed. And they're prepared for him. But he does, there's quite a bit of smoke as well. So smoke kind of builds up. It's this kind of cool scene where it's almost like, I don't know, your classic action movie where you don't know what's going on in the smoke. Who could be in there? What's going to happen? And then all of a sudden, he slide tackles the one guy, Electro Mace is in, blah, 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 blah. Really cool fight scene. But we have this flashback to R5. <laughs> the mouse droid slowly creeps over and says, hey, what's that? Mouse droid drives over and... T- you know, lights up the sirens, turns on that that uh, that red and blue, and he is sitting there, kind of just doing nothing, just alerting, just this red light. So R five pulls out his little taser and zaps him, and he runs away, and then he finally opens the door for um, for Dinjar, and Dinjar finishes off the super commandos. We pan back to R five, and now four mouse droids have come over, the popo driving up, and they're like. And they just they just surround him and start bumping into him because they're mouse droids. They don't they can't do anything. Like they're literally just four wheels on a little body. That's all they are. So they're just bumping into R five and R and R five's like, all right, okay, not enough of this. I'm out. So he opens up his jetpacks and flies away. And one of the mouse droids falls off the cliff as it pans away. So now there's only three mouse droids. Probably like the funniest thing in the entire. Honestly, it was super funny. I actually I didn't think I would like it as much as I did. Yeah. I, I thought it was genuinely, it felt very genuine. That's it, what it, it was. Did. It, it didn't, like, this is the thing. It's, the whole episode is so serious. Yeah. And so, like, this is do or die, and R5 is having to run away from mouse droids. And it just, it was, it was hilarious. They, they can't do anything to each other, so it was just funny. 
but it also served a purpose. It did. It, then that's the thing, and it didn't feel like it was there for no reason. Exactly. It's and I think that's what also joke. was good. Exactly. Like yeah, that's what I thought. Made, was he, R5 had to be there. These mouse droids had to be there, um, and R5 leaving had to happen because the mouse droids would have alerted people that he was there. So him going is great. Exactly. Now you have Dinjarin enter the Shadow Council. No one's there, and we pan back to Bo-Katan running for her life. So fast, I guess, rewind back to the start of the episode. While Din's doing his thing, Bo-Katan is running. She's fighting the Super Commandos. The old guard say, we know a place to go if we can get to the surface. So they all say, okay, let's jet away. They jet to the surface. They go to these, this beautiful underground garden. And Bo-Katan's first thing, which is really crazy, is she says that, you know, you found this garden. And he's like, no, we didn't find it. We, we've been growing them. And that's a huge thing for Mandalore. So, I, to see that Mandalore isn't dead. It's been glassed, but it's not done. Um, Evan, what's your take on that? Very, very good. There's also so much, uh, there's other things that happened before that, but we'll touch on this really quick. Yep. Uh, is, I thought it was great, the fact that Mandalore is fertile and the fact that they can still grow it shows that there is an opportunity for mandalore to be where it needed to be or where it once was um, that opportunity is there and that's what's really important it's actually better than it was because they the old guard mentions those plants haven't been around since before the blasting of mandalore so they kind of came back after the mega cities are wiped out which is really cool um we also see axe wolves talk to he gets to the cruiser. Um, he gets them all evacuated, all the all the survivors from the surface. He gets everybody off. He says, okay, the Empire's coming. Everyone get out, get out, get out. And we see another cool thing about the Mandalore, or I guess it's the Death Watch, or whatever you want to call them, the remnants of the Death Watch, um, or the, you know, the uh, Mandalorian Corsairs. Their ship-to-ship jetpacks are fantastic. Yes. They just go and land on the little... I thought plane. it was so cool because there was a moment where he was just like, oh, we have to land onto the ship, get to the gauntlet. And for some reason, my brain was like, oh, right, they have escape pods on a light cruiser. Yeah, that makes sense. And then I just see them flying out the airlock and I was like, oh, yeah, they yeah. can fly. So they quite literally just float over to the gauntlets. It's so cool. So they float to the gauntlets and, uh, and a couple of the Mandalorian light fighters and they all everyone escapes which is really cool i really i didn't want the ship to get destroyed in the sense that it was so it was so integral to the lost or to the stolen fleet um but axwell was like don't worry i got it i'm gonna be the captain and i had this moment where i'm like okay please don't be a go down with the ship kind of thing don't be you know the captain who dies with the ship but we see him uh, it's a really cool scene actually because as the mandalorian fighters and the gauntlets dive through the clouds the tie interceptors and bombers rip past like rip past them up into the atmosphere it's probably my favorite scene it looks um, so good just just because it's so it's such a hype scene and it's so visually appealing but i also love the fact that there's a moment where you can see the trail of smoke or, or clouds coming off the the uh, tie interceptors as they're ripping through and it's so it feels real and that's what's so cool about it because if you look at like fighter jets that do that they leave that tiny little trail as to where they once were yep. uh it's just so neat and so cool it honestly probably again the dog fighting the star fighting whatever you want to call it the ship to ship combat in this season has been absolutely amazing so tie interceptors and tie fighters and tie bombers rip up through the clouds and immediately start firing on the light cruiser so light cruisers taking heavy heavy hits 
uh, Axe Wolves at the command center. He activates the big guns. A couple of TIE Interceptors get shot down, but we don't really see what happens after that. He puts up a good fight, though. He does. It gets rocked a bunch, and then we go back to the surface. So we go back to Bo-Katan and the gardens, which I kind of felt was a bit of a throwaway. Yeah, I feel like that could have been like a end of end of scene yep. or end of end of episode kind of thing but well because they were there for like two seconds i know and then they're just like oh we can go somewhere to hide out and then they they have to leave immediately yeah and i guess you could argue that they had no idea how long they would need to wait yep. so maybe it just they got reinforcements way sooner maybe the garden was farther away than expected yeah i i don't know but to me it, uh, i agree I, I feel like it was a throwaway scene it, it felt like it because they get there and they have this whole moment where like wow mandalore is really not dying and we got a really cool moment where one of the the captain of the old guard says there's predators above and predators below and it's a really good scene where like mandalore is a hostile planet but this little lush garden is where he needs to be and then we get a crackle over the radio and we get we get this beautiful scene where we have um, the armorers say, Lady Kreez, your reinforcements have arrived. And it's just like, this is such a good scene. And we get this awesome soundtrack. So I think we're going to play the soundtrack. I think it's going to sound good. I can't really hear it. Um, but we have this beautiful soundtrack by um, Joseph Sterley and uh, um, Ludwig Gorenson, who's been scoring this entire season. And it's, it's called Take Back Our Planet. So then Bogotan goes, let's take back our planet. And then... It's this huge thing where the gauntlet... What bothers me is the gauntlets don't do anything. They don't shoot anybody. Like, if you flew ships into the hangar, you could have done so much damage. But all the Mandalorians get out of the ship, and they have this epic jetpack fight with the Super Commandos. And it's a really good scene. Like, we have this awesome scene where the armor is coming down with their hammer and her tongs. It's funny because I have the concept art up, and the original concept art didn't have her with her hammer. It had her with like like a big blaster. Yeah, it was yeah. like some some um, like pneumatic pump gun. Yeah. It, it it looks it looks cool. It's I like a slug I'm, thrower. Yeah, Mandalorians did make slug throwers to kill Jedi potentially. So, um, but I'm glad they stuck with the uh, the the hammer and the tongs throughout it. Was, it. it was like Thor. <laughs> Like, watching her come down, I just clang, clang, boom. Uh, we see bo with the Darksaber. Really cool Darksaber combat. Um, we see Toys R Us clearance girl. I really, I feel bad. I feel bad that I've forgotten her name, too. Um, I knew it last week. I, I know. You did a great job with it last week, but, you know. But anyways, so then we see all these things. Really, you get to see the Mandalorians be Mandalorians. I don't think we see a single Mandalorian really die during that, that fight. Um, if we do, it's really hard to tell between yeah. whether it's an actual Mandalorian or if it's one of Gideon's people. Yeah, so the Super Commandos are getting, like, stuffed. In as many sense of the word can be stuffed, they are just losing hard. As much as they've been trained, they haven't fought real Mandalorians before. And the Mandalorians are just shooting back. They have the Mandalorians, as Bo-Katan said, we can beat them on the ground. We cannot beat them in the air. So they take the fight to them. It's an awesome scene. It would have been great to see Paz Vistel there. It would have been great to have Paz there, but you know what? He he played himself out the way he had to. You know, I feel like if they had Paz Vistel and he didn't die, it would have been too easy. You know what? Good point. So I'm I throughout this entire episode, I actually kind of forgot about Paz Vistel. I was like, oh, I was there. like, oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, him. I forgot. He's, he, he's still there. He, somewhere. <laughs> he's somewhere somewhere down there. His yep. body, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but then you get to see probably my second favorite scene, which when we were watching it, I was freaking out. Oh, I thought yeah. it was so good. Um, we got to see Toys R Us clearance 
um, which I can assume that's who it is. That is, I think. Um, how she flies down, kills her jetpack, slides along a platform, comes out on the other side, drops down, reactivates her her uh, jetpack, and then we get to see the knee rockets, which I didn't notice until you pointed it out. Mm-hmm. So the knee, a lot of the Mandalorians have hidden rockets. If you watch, if you've ever seen Clone Wars and you see the fight between, um, what's his name? Uh, not pa- Pazov's dad, whoever, whatever that this his name is, Tor Visla. No, not Tor, not Tor Visla. Whatever, whoever Visla, Pre Visla. So Pre Visla versus um, Darth Maul. He's got all kinds of hidden weapons on him. He's got hidden razor blade uh, fires. He got hidden rockets. So you don't really know what the Mandalorians are packing. And to see her get chased by two, she's just gunning down people with these double blasters, hits the ground, slides, does a spin, and then very much felt like an action movie where she kind of like does like a little quick hop up and fires her knee out and two rockets fly out and hit both of the uh, troopers. Amazing scene. Probably like just for a sheer one-to-one, probably the best part of the entire episode for actual combat, I would say, from what we see. Because Din's not doing too well on the other side. So this is my thing. Gideon's supposed to be hunting down Din Djarin, and Din Djarin's supposed to be hunting down Gideon. So it's kind of like a Scooby-Doo thing where like they're going in one door, coming out the other door, but you never see that. Gideon says, the Mandalorian's escaped, I'll take care of him. And Din's like, we gotta find Gideon, and they kind of both come to the hangar. And it's this really cool scene where Gideon gets caught monologuing. You know, back to Sinestro, where Sinestro's like, you caught me monologuing. That was exactly what I was thinking. It was. Gideon very much has his helmet off, and he's like, my clones, my beautiful baby. Oh, yeah. Just before that, Din Djarin stumbles upon. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Big, I guess we should talk Moff about Moff Gideon's really power, cloning right? tubes. Which is huge. It is huge. So Din Djarin walks into the cloning tubes. And we saw the cloning tubes before. We saw them in the episode prior where Gideon was walking into the Shadow Council. And we didn't really see what was inside them. We kind of thought they looked a bit like him, but we didn't know. And then we get a close-up of Grogu looking into one of the tubes. And the Moff Gideon clone opening its eyes and staring at him. And it's kind of like the shock factor where Din's like, oh my god, they're alive. So he just starts blasting things. So everything shuts down. And they all get vented and they all die. We're assuming. When you, when you kill them off. And Gideon's mourning them. He's like, my clones were going to be perfect. And now they're dead. So all the clones are dead, we're assuming. Um, and then we see Gideon monologuing. And he's like, my clones would have been perfect. And we finally see Gideon's great plan where he's like, they were going to be everything I was, but better because they would have had the force. That's pretty crazy. The fact that he was able to clone troopers. Well, this is my thing. I don't think you can. Yeah. Like, how do you clone mitochlorians? It's, it's in your blood. Mitochlorians are what you could clone blood though. So, I guess you could take the if you take like that's really advanced cloning. No, I agree, and I think that's why he needed Doctor Pershing's research for so long. Fair, Um, and the reason why I think at this point it's basically confirmed that Gideon is the one who wanted um, Doctor Pershing dead. Yes, I yeah, he pretty much Gideon does say that. Perishing's been captured, but the research will be in our hands soon. Exactly. And the fact that he had his research and because he was such an advanced doctor on cloning, I think that it was possible and it was something that they could do. And this helps reinforce the idea that Snoke uh, was cloned from a variety of different subjects. There's lots of options for Snoke as well, which is nice to tie that into. So we see 
Gideon gets monologuing. Din Darren comes out shooting, comes out blasting, hits. He has to cover his head with his own helmet. Boom, boom, boom. Gideon's getting hit. Gideon, you see the armor, whatever he calls it. I think Dan had a Dan called it the um, Dark Trooper Mark III, I think it's called. Something like that. Where Dark Troopers, if you've seen uh, Rogue One, they're the ones that kind of talk like, but they're wearing like the black helmets. Um, you see them again later on. You see the Dark uh, Assassin drones, which are the big ones that Moff Gideon creates. Really cool scenes. So Gideon puts his helmet on, you hear it power up, because it's power armor too. That's like, he doesn't have just Beskar alloy armor, it's power armor. So Din Djarin, blast, blast, blast. Gideon's just kind of taking it. Din Djarin like, does like a tackle, he fires at him with a jetpack. Um, when has that ever worked out? I don't know. Realistically, it's never worked out, so I don't know why he kept trying. No, so he fires at him. Gideon kind of just throws him to the ground. Um, and Gideon and him have this epic fight where Gideon's kind of just like trashing him because his Beskar armor isn't as good as the Mandalorian's because the Mandalorian's is pure Beskar. But his armor is Beskar alloy. So it's pretty strong, but not the strongest. And we see this big fight scene where they're fighting, 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 but we get to hear Gideon's armor is strong. Like the branch, the pistons are firing, the, the, the um, hydrodynamics are really moving, and he's just kind of punching and throwing Mando around. And then we get this beautiful scene where we hear the, the classic Praetorian Guard soundtrack. So we have a, I put into the script the five minute song, which is called Stronger Together. And it, hybridizes the Mandalorian theme with the Praetorian Guard theme. And we see the Praetorian Guard move in, and the opposite of Paz Vizsla, because Paz Vizsla's armor wasn't pure Beskar. So Din can take the hits, he's not getting stabbed, he's not getting hurt, and then we see Grogu walk in with this angry little baby face, and he goes, Bleh! and he hits the button and goes, no. And the Praetorian Guard, this is the stupidest thing I think in the entire episode, the Praetorian Guards are like, you stay there, we're gonna go fight the kid. I don't know. Maybe it's overconfidence. Maybe the Praetorian Guards know that Grogu is the one who got the Force samples from. That is the one thing I think of. The Praetorian Guard are made to kill Force users. Their armor generates an electromagnetic field so that they can resist blaster fire, resist lightsabers, and resist Force in some ways. So Grogu gets chased out. Mando's like, no, he's trying to stop him. He's trying to stop him, trying to stop him. Moff Gideon hits him with a rocket, grabs him with a grappling hook, pretty much doing everything he can to separate the two of them. Um, and thankfully, Bo-Katan notices. And she comes down, flying, with the Darksaber in hand, starts fighting Gideon, and she says, go help your kid. So Din's like, all right, thanks, thanks, space mom. And uh, runs after them. So I'm gonna, I, I mean, if you could show the Yoda scene. I can, yes. There, let me kill our music real quick. Yep. Whoop, whoop, whoop. So, if you've seen episode three, when Palpatine enacts Order 66, Yoda walks in and just goes, boom, and knocks the, the Praetorian Guard down. Now, those aren't Praetorian Guard, those are Imperial Guard. Same kind of thing, though. Praetorian Guard are kind of like the, the descendants of Imperial Guard. Imperial Guard were better trained, they were more trained with everything, but it's still kind of the same concept. So you have the Praetorian Guard putting up a better fight against same kind of speech. I thought it was a really cool callback because Yoda was so powerful and Grogu will be powerful, but isn't currently. So the Praetorian Guard are really kind of giving him a show. IG-12 gets cut down, the arms get cut off, the leg gets cut off. Grogu has to do his little, not in backflip this time, though, he just does a jump, which is really nice, but he does a backflip. So Grogu's very much like a jump up, 
run on the ceiling repeatedly, run on the ceiling, kind of hide. Oh my God, I'm getting chased. Like, what do I do? Praetorian Guard are kind of falling over themselves to hit him with their weapons. It's a really good scene. And then the hybridized song kind of comes in again where they're stronger together. You know, father and son duo show up. Din comes in blasting. And the Praetorian Guard armor has weak spots. And you see this really awesome scene where Grogu and Din are pretty much one and the same. What would you say, Evan? They're fighting hand in hand. And it kind of reminds me of the original fight against the Mudhorn. Yep. Where Grogu is able to force lift it, but still doesn't really have a control. This is a refined Grogu. This is where he is able to really show his own and really showcase that he has done the training and done the work and now he knows how to control his abilities better in a way that makes him more helpful so to see him be more active in these fights is very good and very important um and i think that also showcases groku's future and where he's destined to go um and that's that's what's really exciting just the entire fight scene is really good you get a moment where dinjar and he just pulls out his vibro knife and just Gets one of the Praetorian Guards right under the helmet. So good. It's the weakest spot. So you see this awesome thing where Grogu's force pushing them. He's pushing things, pushing weapons away. Like Grogu's doing everything he can in his power and he's not getting tired. That's the big thing is like Grogu hadn't used the force in a very long time when he first used it on the Mudhorn. So now he's using the force more adeptly, which is really nice. So you see this really cool fight scene. In the end, between Grogu and Din, they take out the Praetorian Guard. And then Din and Grogu come back to fight Moff Gideon. Now, they're no match for Super Gideon 9000. Gideon is in this armor. He, between Bo-Katan, Din, and Grogu, they're all fighting madly. Grogu's force pushing him. It's a big fight. And somewhere in the fight, Bo-Katan loses the Darksaber. This is what irks me about this episode. This is the only thing that I was like, really? Really? Was Bo-Katan losing the Darksaber? Now, I will say, we have seen lightsabers being destroyed before. Yes. Anakin's lightsaber gets compressed on Genosis. Anakin loses lightsabers like mad. Um, we've seen lightsabers been destroyed before. We've seen Kyber Crystals be destroyed before. Now, the one thing about this, though, is him crushing the Darksaber, where he crushes it, the kyber crystal that's inside of it isn't crushed. So there might be a chance of reforging it. Ooh, that's a good point. Exactly. I didn't notice that. Now, the dark uh, the lightsaber technology has kind of been lost to everyone who's not a Sith, but we might just see a darksaber come back. And it's this really good moment where Gideon's like, haha, I broke your toy. Now you can't become leader of Mandalore. And Bo-Katan's like, well, we'll see about that, buddy. And they have this, again, big fight. Meanwhile, Axe Wolves is like, everybody get out of the hangar. I'm coming in hot. Yeah. Like quite literally firing out of the sky. He's like, I'm gonna take the base out. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the base out. I'm gonna crash the light cruiser right into the base. Bingo bango bongo. Take it. Such a great scene. I was so happy that one Axel was not the spy. Yeah. But also that he has this awesome like 
if I'm going to sacrifice the light cruiser, it's going to be on the base. It's going to detonate the base. And that was so... Well, it was his baby. Like, he was the commander of the Lost Fleet, or the Stolen Fleet, for a long time. He was, yeah. And this is the thing. Like, I was while we were watching it, I was like, please don't let him go down with the ship. And he doesn't. He shoots a window out and just jumps in. Okay, he does what most people should do when they're in those situations. You know, it's like, you know what? I could get out of this. Yeah. No problem. Click gravity, do the rest. Let me just well, get exactly. out of here. And like the thrusters are still kind of working. So it's coming down hot. You betcha. And you see the scene where it's almost like Mando and Bo-Katan realize they're not going to make it. They're not going to get out of there okay. They know they can't make it. Gideon's very much like, I, I, I will win. You cannot stop me. And Grogu is kind of behind them. And as the light cruiser comes down, they shield Grogu. Bogdan puts her little shield up. Din kind of tucks around him. It's a really powerful scene. And during this scene, Gideon's kind of like, you cannot stop me. It's very Darth Vader. No. And this is the thing. So we see earlier on, one thing that beats Mandalorians is flamethrowers. It superheats the armor. It gets underneath the armor. It hurts. It's not going to kill them by any means unless you like, a prolonged flame. But we watch Gideon kind of like, no and <laughs> so I'm assuming that Moff Gideon. This is what's ag- agitating is yeah. we didn't see a body. Nope. We don't have a confirmed on-screen kill nope. or death. So I mean, my thing is though, Dan made a good point. Like, what's stopping him from jetpacking? You're right. Nothing stops him from jetpacking. But the fire consumed him as we saw it. And why didn't Din and Bo-Katan die? <sighs> Well, we pan over to this lovely, I didn't put the music in, but this lovely, like, harmonious scene as Grogu is using the force to force the fire around them. To shield them, essentially. It's so good. It's such such a a great scene. scene. And we see, you know, like, almost like an energy shield, like the Droidekas. And he's just not, the fire's just going around them. And they're both kind of like, oh, my gosh. And, like, if you look at them both, they've talked about being space magic. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, to them, it is magic. It's not the force. It's magic. So you see this beautiful scene where Grogu's actually doing something more important than just being cute. We don't see Gideon die, but we also don't see Gideon with a mustache. That's the thing. Is is this Gideon Gideon or is this Gideon clone? Is this, yeah, is this clone number one? Yes. The other ones were number three and four and five and six and seven. And Gideon's off somewhere else safe. I don't know, man. I don't know. Which makes me think... Maybe Gideon really was captured by Mandalorians, a different sect. Maybe maybe the armorer has him. Maybe somebody else has him, and he is not there. That was kind of a question that wasn't really answered, was how did Gideon get out? No. Um, we can kind of infer that it was his own clones that came over and, and busted him out. I would think. Um, how that entire operation I would love to see that operation unfold. That'd be cool. I think that would be a really neat thing to see, like maybe like they did like a, a like a bonus episode yeah that would be pretty cool so after that we see mando and bo-katan and the rest of the crew they all go to the great forge and it's this really nice scene where bo-katan's kind of elected to be the leader the armorer doesn't say anything no one seems to care the dark saber's gone because bo-katan is the one who led the charge she's the one who led the forces she's the one who really took back mandalore so this beautiful moment where the great forge is reignited Everyone's like, for Mandalore, for Mandalore, bye-bye. Yeah, we did it. Great job, guys. Woo, go team. And then we pan back over to a nice scene where you have Navarro and Din and Grogu. Also, Grogu gets named. Yes, there's a lot that happens in, not necessarily at the Great Forge, 
um, but in the living waters. The living waters. So the living waters is where uh, Ragnar Visla. Yep. He gets. I don't know what the ceremony is. Is he reinstated as a no, So he's he is taking his rightful place as a Mandalorian apprentice. Oh, okay. Before they were they were foundlings, and now his father's dead, and he gets to finally be christened with the living waters. He's gotcha. Taking a bath. Taking a bath. And uh, Mando's like, can Grogu do it? And Armor is like, he can't say the creed, man. And he's like, well, I could say the creed for him. And she's like, no, like, I'm sorry. You have to take him with you on, go on a quest, more quests, go on quests. So the big thing here was that he was said, well, his parents give him permission. And the Armor was like, well, his parents are either dead or really far away. And yeah. they're not here to give permission. And that's the moment when the Dadalorian becomes a dad and adopts Grogu. I will adopt him. I will adopt him as my own. And, and uh, I feel like the Armor, man, just this cast and this acting does such a great job of acting and showing emotion without being able to see a face. Because she turns and pauses and says, this is the way. Yeah, and honestly. You, ah, and you just, you know that she's like, yes, finally you've accepted this is your role. The fact of the matter is that a helmet, you can't show much emotion, but like the, just the, the, subtle, the subtle moves, the subtle like nods, you just know what's going on behind the scenes. You so betcha. it's great to see her being like, you know what, as you said, finally. She's just Grandma Willow from Pocahontas. She is. <laughs> Uh, and then you see Grogu is like, okay, we're good. He's my apprentice. And then we go back to Navarro. Uh, he's talking to Grief Karga. He's like, okay, I'm, I have to adventure with the kid now. I need a place to work out of. What can I do? And he's like, don't worry. I give you a plot of land. You can hang out with the kid. Uh, enjoy your life. And Din's like, but wait, there's more. I heard you wanted a marshal. And uh, instead of being the marshal from season two, we see IG-11 it is 11 now he's it is 11 reverted yes clean memory slate walks back in and he's been he's been fixed uh oh i missed a big part too actually you did there's another big part god this the, the end of the episode is so disjointed i know there's a lot that happens so we go back to the rebel base on the rebel beach base so we're going to beach party wherever this is usa beach party usa yeah and we see captain tava and we don't get to see there's a lot missing here we're Captain Tava's not like, hey, the Mandalorians must have freed Gideon. And uh, you don't see this argument. Mando's like, yeah, we killed Gideon. He's like, all right, good job, man. Um, I'll let the, uh, the Republic know you did a great service. And Mando was like, well, actually, uh, I kind of need to get a job. Are you hiring? And he's like, eh, you're kind of a criminal. I can't hire you. And he's like, well, what if you just didn't tell anyone? And, and Captain Tava's like, okay. So now he's like a New Republic hitman. Um, I think he's just going back to bounty hunting, but he's specifically doing stuff that's around the outer rim yep. where the Republic can't really exclude their forces to. Yep. Um, and I think that's what's really important. And that's what's good. So then we'll see more adventures. Um, and then we get to the finale. And also when he's going out, when they enter the when they enter the, uh, the little canteen, we don't see Zeb, but we do see an IG or I guess an assassin droid helmet or I guess head. And uh that is not what I thought you were mentioning. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a trophy. It is a trophy, and, but I um, also thought you would touch on that Dave Filoni's there. Oh, yes. And the crazy thing is, so, like, in the background, you see a guy wearing a cowboy hat. And who else, was, who else is that but Dave Filoni? 
Uh, our Lord and Savior. Your Lord and Savior up there with John Favreau. Yeah, the two of them. So Dave Filoni's just sitting in the background like, hey. <laughs> and like, we've, re- we've, we've heard John Favreau the entire season. Yes. He's he was, the voice of Paz Vizsla. Yes. Um, and the guy, the body, the person who actually plays Paz Vizsla is the guy who goes, Choto Mando in episode one of season one. He's the guy with the big beard um, who gets killed in the oh, bar. All right. So we see all this. Now, we finally see Dave Filoni. He's wearing his classic cowboy hat as, as Dave Filoni does. And it's not even like, no one even calls any attention to him. He's just in the background, <laughs> just hanging out. Um, Mando says, hey, I want to advance. Can I take that IG-11 head? And, uh, or IG whatever head? And Captain Dave was like, I guess, sure, it's yours. So then we go back to Navarro. We're finally back to Navarro. Uh, he says, hey, we've got the marshal coming in. And in walks IG-11 with his brand new head and a fixed body and sad it's not Cobb Vanth. I know, but Cobb Vanth is going to be in Book of Boba Fett. I know. So we see IG-11 walk in. He's like, I am, the, I am IG-11. I'm the marshal. I'm, I'm here, here to serve you. <laughs> yes. And like the the um, the Ancelans are there. They're like, ah! Uh, really good scene. Really good scene. Then we see Din and Grogu kind of settling down in their little, little house on the prairie. Little plot of land. Grogu's in the pond playing with one-eyed frogs. Uh, really just a, kind of a nice cute way to end the episode. Everyone's I think it was happy. really good. I wish we had an end credit scene. Yeah, I kind of wish we did too. There's a couple things if I were to change it for this season. I would have maybe moved the um, the garden scene on Mandalore closer to the end and add yeah. that as one of the endings. We also see the Mythosaur open its eyes. We do. We when saw that too. For Mandalore, for Mandalore, it... Mm shows the Great Forge and goes to the Living Waters, then follows a path down the Living Waters, and the Mythosaur opens its eye. I think it'd be cool to see the Mythosaur as well. Um, maybe a little more of it. Yeah. So there's a lot of things we didn't get from this season. So, so starting with that list. Yes. No Thrawn. No Thrawn, that's right. Mentioned, not seen. Yeah, so we, we are teasing Thrawn some more. Yeah. I know last episode of the Mandalorian review, we were talking about how maybe Gideon gets away and then we, we get a tease of Thrawn. That could have been a cool end credit scene if we had one. We might see it in Ahsoka. Ahsoka comes out in four months, three months. Yeah, I feel like you have to have uh, Emperor Thrawn there if, you, if you're going to have gonna see it. Ahsoka. I feel like that's a necessity. Um, we didn't get Grogu's first words. We did not. Which I... Would have been cool, but honestly, I could take it or leave it. Technically, we got yes and no. Technically, we did get yes and no, um, which is also really important because that showcases that he understands what everyone's saying. He just doesn't have the capacity to be able to vocalize it. Which is big. Um, We did not get to see Mythosaur in action. We didn't get to see more Imperials. We just got to see this little base. Uh, Gideon obviously got away. There was a lot of things that I wanted to see that I didn't see. I didn't get to see more. I wanted the New Republic to show up and help the fight. We didn't see that. The New Republic still doesn't really even realize. They think Gideon's dead now. So it's it's kind of worse off than they were beforehand. Just the fact that the uh, Republic just kind of like glazed over. Well, I love how um, Captain Tav was just like, or Tave was just like, oh no, I knew it. Gideon's escaped and then did nothing about it. Yeah. I kind of wish that he like showed up or or had a little more involvement after that big discovery. I feel like there probably was. I feel like we're missing scenes. And I wouldn't mind like a full, like, give me an hour episode. Give me an hour long episode with all like the nitty gritty talking. I want to see what happens. I agree. Because there's a lot missing. So 
I think that's everything that was really covered. Evan, do you have anything else you want to add? Um, the other thing that was kind of annoying, and I think that's what is uh, the big topic of discussion over the internet is um, Din Grogu or Grogu Jarn. So, yeah, the naming convention for Din Jarn and Din Grogu, assumably, this isn't Japanese. The, la- the last name doesn't come first. So having, everyone calls him Din which means that's his first name. So having Grogu be Din Grogu, it's like having two first names. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. It should have been Grogu Jaren, which then means that, of course, Din Jaren's master had to have been a Jaren, because his first name isn't Jaren. They don't call Pazmus of Visla. They don't call the armor, well, they call the armor of the armor. Bo-Katan Kreese, her last name is Kreese. She's part of the Kreese family. She's not part of the Bo-Katan family. So a lot of issues there. Um, hopefully we'll see it remedied. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, Grogu wasn't even supposed to be in the season. No, he wasn't. I really think that as this is what's annoying. I know. I I didn't want to name names, but it's 100% her. Ruining Star Wars as always. Like, the other thing I want for the next season, there needs to be a significant amount of time that's passed. We need a time jump. We need a big time jump because Grogu can't continue to be a baby. Well, we might see that, though, in Ahsoka. Maybe we'll see that in Ahsoka. Um, we do, do we know when Ahsoka takes place? It takes place either after or during her. When, she, when you see her in season two and she leaves, this is what takes place as after she left. So okay. it could very much be in the two years that Gorgo was gone. It could be longer. We don't really know yet. I did see a spoiler, well, not a spoiler, but a possible spoiler that Tamora Morrison pretty much confirmed he's going to be in Ahsoka as Captain Rex. Oh, that's so cool. Now, oh, my God. That'd be amazing. It was just some Aussie tweeting it about how there was a there was like a uh, an Aussie kind of like night in um, <laughs> classic Tomorrow Morrison in a hot tub. That's just whatever I see interviews of Tomorrow Morrison or Tomorrow Morrison talking. He's always in a hot tub uh, and saying like, yes, I will be in like Captain Rex will make an appearance. So that'd be pretty sweet. Um, but yeah, we uh, we don't know yet. We don't know. There's so much that can yeah. happen in the next little while. Um, I don't think I really have anything more to add. I'm just, I, I'm excited for another season. I don't believe this is the end of Grogu and Mando. I feel like there's going to be more to come. Yeah. And like, I, I think my thing is too. So they've already said, I think they said they already wrapped up filming. Um, for season four? I think so. Oh man. Or at least they started filming. I, I could be wrong. Could be they wrong. might have wrapped up the script. They could have wrapped up the script. So as much as, uh, Pedro Pascal wants to leave Mandalorian. If they just get him to record all the audio, it doesn't really matter. He can leave and still be a voice. No, yeah, I agree. That Which, could that's very possible. If he's gonna leave, at least do the script. Write the script. Speak on the script. Just don't don't leave yet, please. Please, as much as John Favreau and Dave Filoni and Kathleen Kennedy butt heads, just don't leave yet please dad please <laughs> don't go to the store oh boy um, yeah. <laughs> on that cheery note i think that's everything we have to talk about today i think that's everything we've covered basically everything that we could cover yeah uh, this might have been the best season of mando yet easily yeah easily season one was good season two was all right season three was banger banger i agree so with that as always thank you for tuning in to the mandalorian review on riot radio uh, only at the DCSA Media Hub. Uh, you know, my name's Eldon Atkin. Behind the scenes today is... The R5 Evan Halbert. R5 EE. 
E-H. I don't know why I said E-E. R5E. E-E. <laughs> um, as always, you know, this is the way I have spoken. Have a great day. Have a great summer. We'll hopefully see you in August for an Ahsoka Tano review. Ooh. Um, and uh, with that, have a great day.